You're listening to 43 Feet, a podcast about leadership. We believe that real leading happens out front, but that usually means you're probably building the next 43 feet of good road for those behind you while you're running the race yourself. My name is Frank Schwartz, known in the gloom of the early morning as Dark Helmet to my F3 brothers. Make way for Dark Helmet. All rise in the presence of Dark Helmet. Every week, I'll be talking with leaders in and out of F3, including regular appearances for my shared leadership team. If I'm going to do this, I'll need my news team at my side. News team, assemble! We're here for candid conversations, to answer questions from around F3 Nation, to pontificate wildly, teach leadership, and otherwise attempt to help you navigate the next 43 feet. And we're back. Holy moly, I could not be more happy to welcome you back to another episode of the 43 Feet Podcast. I am joined again, as I will every week. Well, pretty much every week. We'll, we'll still have guests, as we mentioned before, but kind of under this. Uh, and I'm, I've decided we're actually going to call it the reboot of the reboot of the reboot. So welcome back to the reboot of the reboot of the reboot of the 43 Feet Podcast. And so every week, uh, when I don't have a, an outside guest who is special, I am joined by as many SLT members as can make it. Everybody, please pour a 40 on the curb because Gobbler couldn't be here today. Boom. Uh, but he's not dead, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, he's just uh, going and playing Army someplace in Idaho. Uh, but I am joined by my uh, by the, the SLT of the nation, the shared leadership team of the nation, and I will quickly run through the head of leadership development, Mr. Seth Brown Bono. Uh, he's like 40 million. I don't know how old he is. He looks bolder than he actually is, but and he also looks like he's giving me the finger. Uh, Dave Kelly, who is uh, he looks 36, but he has the heart of a 94 year old man, uh, also known as Bing out of uh, the uh, Sarasota region, of Florida. <laughs> Mr. Brian. Hello, Kitty Jodis whose pants are so short right now that, yes, we can see exactly the fact that he's Catholic. Following right behind him, Mr. Chris Gambino out of the Jacksonville area, who is the head of IT for the nation. And last but most definitely not least, the war daddy of us all. If I'm not mistaken, he's 57, 56, 57. That's right. Yeah, 57 years old, but he has the body of a 38-year-old man and the lung capacity of a 16-year-old girl, but that's neither here nor there. Mr. GMO out of St. Louis. Welcome, gentlemen. Could not be happier to have you with me this morning. He has us all muted, so to take these shots at us. Couldn't even come. He muted all. I have the power. Oh, my goodness. So many good things happening around F3 Nation right now. There is just, I mean, it's hard to describe. Uh, and, I, and I wrote something about this recently in, in Slack even and, and stuff like it is really difficult for me to describe the satisfaction and the joy that I feel and the love that I feel for the men of F3 Nation and the things that you do, not only to better yourselves as men, because that that automatically, you know, it's kind of the rising tide raises all boats, right? It automatically improves the community. But the things that you're doing intentionally and, and specifically to try and reach out and to save other men from their sad clown syndrome, it's awesome. So thank you, men, uh, for listening to this podcast. Thank you for letting us try our best to guide you down the next 43 feet. And that's what we're here to do. And so uh, every week on this podcast, we're going to tackle topics related to leadership in general, but also specific to F3. And um, because, you know, we, we say we want you to be good leaders, but good heavens, shouldn't we spend some time teaching what that looks like or, or talking about what that looks like in our minds? We could be wrong, 
right? But we want to do our best to try and and uh, and 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 bring that forty three feet of clarity uh, to you and to the men around you. So. We, uh, we talked about many different things that could potentially be a topic for today. Uh, and ultimately where we settled was this, <clears throat> this is a, a, a little bit of a stretch of a, a metaphor that Dred and I came up with once during a, a whetstone session. Um, but uh, the idea of there's kind of three kinds of leadership in a way, right? And if you're a snow skier, then, then this will sound familiar to you because we were going to call it the ski slopes of leadership or something along those lines. I'll let the leadership development guy handle that when the time comes. So, the, uh, the idea is, you know, the bunny slope leadership, right? The green circle leadership is kind of the, that's leadership where you have full institutional authority. You're somebody's boss, right? They put you in a position of boss. You get to say what people do and what they don't do. And, and their continued employment or continued involvement in the organization is, uh, you, you know, you have some control over that, right? And so you have influence and there's times when that's needed, right? But you have influence, but it's basically mostly based on the institutional authority that you've been given. Then you got blue square leadership, right? A little bit more challenging uh, slope, a little bit harder to navigate, goes a little bit faster, requires a little bit more agility, if you will. Uh, and that is kind of that peer-to-peer leadership, more, more of a horizontal type leadership, right? So it, that would be, I guess, kind of the equivalent of, let's say, you know, Bono trying to, to lead and to influence Bada Bing, right? On some things. They share a similar place in an organization, and but it still requires leadership. It still requires that a man, you know, kind of know, you know, what's up, what's going on, and and how to help, you know, uh, move things forward and, and lead to advantage, right? So you got that kind of leadership, um, and we'll equate what that looks like maybe in, in a true F three context later. But then you got what I think is, I don't want to say the highest form because all are needed at different times in different situations, but this is certainly the most difficult kind. And that's why the black diamond kind of works in this metaphor is the black diamond leadership is requires a very high level of skill and it is not for the faint of heart. And I would say that, you know, if you start thinking about it, well, let me tell you what it is and I'll tell you what I think. So black diamond leadership would really be leading people where you have absolutely no authority to lead them. Right. So that might be your boss or your boss's boss, perhaps. Uh, it might be in, in the context of F3, it might be, you know, uh, a guy from here, way over here in, in, you know, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, trying to influence a guy way across the country in, uh, you know, in the Puget Sound or somewhere in the middle of America uh, in like St. Louis or someplace like that. Right. I can tell you what I think and you can ignore me if you want to. So how do I lead a guy who I'm not proximate to or how do I lead a, someone that I don't have any institutional authority over? you know, I get them to do what I want them to do, or I lead them to advantage. I influence them and persuade them. How do I do that when I don't have any say so or any teeth to it, if you will, in terms of, you know, the organization, you know, it's like, you know, we sit here as the SLT. It's not like we can, you know, revoke someone's charter to F3 if they don't do something we don't, you know, that we want them to do. Right. So we're kind of calling that black diamond leadership and it requires a, a skill set, a skill level, um, and a willingness, a, a, an appetite for risk. It requires a lot of things of a man to lead uh, in that fashion. And so kind of, you know, with those three sort of things in mind, uh, I open it up to the shared leadership team and say, you know, where do you see these kinds of leadership in our lives? And, and how do we and when do we need to apply each one? Because if you think about it, <clears throat> of all the human beings on the earth, roughly 50% are male, right? So, let's, so, so that's, our, that's our target market within F3. The 50% of, you know, whatever that is, how many people are there? 8 billion, 
then we'll call it 8 billion. So about 4 billion men somewhere on the earth, right? So that's our target market. So if we say, hey, okay, outside of that, of that, of those people that are on the earth, of the people that are even willing to make some vague attempt to be a leader, what a small minority that is, right? And within that, an even, I mean, a super duper small minority are going to be able to lead effectively in that peer-to-peer way, right? And, and have some influence over people. You still have some institutional backing and that kind of thing. And I mean, you think about the absolute cream of the crop requires, and look, it's not a bad thing, but not everybody's cut out to do it. Those who will step in and be a black diamond leader uh, are, are incredibly few. And so when do we do it? How do we do it uh, in our, our own worlds? I open the floor. Is that's your first? Yeah, as as you were talking, Dark. Um, to me, one of the differences in the sort of the way you describe the green circle and the other two is the difference between positional power and influence. Because if I have positional fo- power, I can be a boss, and you know I don't always have to to be a nice boss, but I can normally get things done because my power is there. I can choose to fire you, and normally for me, I don't necessarily consider that a leader. I consider that a boss. I think. When I think about leadership, I'm thinking about influence and there are lots of different ways to influence, but the way you describe the blue square, it's that peer to peer. So it's that influence of a peer. How do I work with a peer? How I'm probably going to do more collaboration. Um, if I'm leading someone on this SLT, I'm working with them. Um, and so it's a different kind of leadership than being a boss. Um, when you talk about the influence of there is no positional power, um, I think that one's an interesting one because there you're really talking about there is no positional power. There's no authority. And for me, it's that whole Simon Sinek, the why, right? I got to really look at what what inspires a man. Um, what are some maybe sometimes actually influences social, right? It might be that I can't influence that man, but I could influence their friends who can influence that man. Um, might be a way to to think through that. So there's some, some trickier things there. Just um, thinking right off the top of the difference between positional power and influence being the way to differentiate between the types. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I like that. Katie, what were you going to say? Yeah, so I, I kind of wrote down three things that I think um, some of this falls into. Just obviously, like you say, love your thoughts on it. In that first one, right, those people are going to look to you. They know, right? Like I was legit. It's, it's timely. We're in the middle of this massive RFP process at work. And some staff members said, Brian, you know, looking to you, like, we know you've got to be able to make a decision on this technical element, right? Like you are in the position to decide and approve how we're going to handle something. That doesn't take a lot of skill per se out of me. It's just that that's the spot I'm in, right? Uh, in that, in number two, in sort of that, in that square, that's more like we're going to look to each other. Like we're going to go together to ultimately make what this decision could be because we are essentially on kind of a level plane. The third one, you, the leader, you, the high impact man, will likely have to have your eyes and your heart and your mind open to see those opportunities to influence said man or PACs or whatever. And so to, to, to bring it back to like things we're dealing with today, like things come up on the F3 Nation Slack channel that us as leaders see. And then we have to decide how do I insert myself into that? Sometimes it's easy if guys are being dicks to each other for us to jump in there and then insert right our influence. There are other times where there's just really great discussion. Quite frankly, we just stay out of the way. But are there opportunities? And, and to my point is like, I don't think somebody's going to bring to you the third one. 
I think you've got mm. to be attentive with your mm. eyes and your heart and your mind open as a leader to find the third opportunities. Yeah, truly a, a, an I two leader, yeah. an individual yeah. initiative leader where you're saying, hey, I'm looking around. I see the the, the landscape in front of me and how what well, if needs nobody, to if nobody's here. If nobody's, in, you know, if no one's given you that power, right? Like in the, in the first one, it's given you. In the, in, the, in the second one, it's given because you guys are part of a shared leadership team. In the third one, you're just, you're, you're, nobody's asking you for it, potentially. You've got oh, to identify true. In fact, they, they might be, uh, they might not even need, they might not, they need it. Right. They might even, yes. You know. So how do you, they, how do you, most of the out? time they don't think they need it. Yeah. I posted something today, you know, and, and we're kind of referencing some things that happened and, but it doesn't really matter what the question is. The men in, in F3 nation really across the world, right? We all have opinions. <laughs> what do they say? Opinions are like armpits, you know? Everybody usually has at least one. And they, yeah, where I grew up, it was a different body part. But that's I fine. know. That's bottom big nose. Bottom big nose. Oh. Hey. Oh. Hey. <laughs> yeah, Gambino and Jodice are, uh, you know, ah, what's the matter for you, huh? Right? Yeah. Hey, forget okay. about it. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. Uh, that You know, there's, there's, you know, we all have opinions. We're all very strong in our mind. And we all have questions. There's all kinds of questions that come up all the time with regard to like, oh, who should be at a workout? Or what age? Or this? Or that? You know? whatever the thing might be, what time should we start? I mean, look, if, if all we needed was uh, uh, someone to enact the rules, you know, and have all the institutional authority and, and top down and say, you will do this. And this is how this is done. I can have my 12 year old do that. She's relentless. She's ruthless. She doesn't care anything about your feelings. She's happy to tell you when you're wrong. Right. But I don't need 12 year old girls. I need leaders. I need leaders. You know what I mean? Jimo, I saw you, you looking like, Oh, actually go ahead. Bono, you're fierce. Yeah, when, when you were talking through that, the, the whole idea of the black diamond is it's risky, right? Because maybe they don't know they have a problem. Maybe they don't know there's a need. Um, and that's one of the things talking probably two years ago um, with two guys, one of which was Fib at a Chicago Naperville area. And there was another one. And, and the first thing is I was going through all the solutions. He's like, Bono, stop. What's the challenge? So sometimes the way you influence in that black diamond is the first thing is I have to clearly identify there's a challenge because if I don't understand the risk that I'm going down, then I don't know how to influence people. Um, and I don't know that there could be an alternative route. So why the heck go down the black diamond when there actually is another route to go down that risky route, but I don't have to go off the cliff, right? I can take this other side route. So it's I think sometimes just identifying the challenge is a key thing when you're in that sort of black diamond, no clear mm -hmm. power. Mm -hmm. No, I like that. GMO. Yeah, I was thinking about this as you brought it up in setting the call up is, uh, you know, for me at 57, maybe this is the wisdom and the trying to be different in different situations and different, you know, leading right up, down, cross, you know, peer to peer. And as I've just reflected on it, it's like, it's a lot of what you do and how you do it. And are you consistent? Um, do you communicate, you know, with love and openness and interact with everyone, not just certain people? Um, are you vulnerable with what you know your weaknesses are? Um, who do you surround yourself with? Um, because I know that I have more credibility because of the men I surround myself with, that others will know that I'm going to be held accountable, that I have men that are going to keep me strong and focused and accelerating, which only helps it pour into other men. And I've got to make sure that all aspects of my G3L is operating and being very high functioning because that gives me the credibility, the trust, the influence to move others to 
accelerate in their lives. And I try to be that way, no matter who I'm interacting with, which I just think maybe it gives me more credibility than somebody that looks like they're being political or playing games um, with the people that I'm, I'm trying to love on, but also, also accelerate. Yeah. And to piggyback off that, uh, I've found that sort of becoming a trusted leader and a trusted source of information horizontally with my peers um, does help you get recognized if you go at it strategically to manage up or manage vertically uh, with, you know, other men who are above you. Uh, And again, it goes back to GMO. I think what you said was trust and credibility. So building that at the lower levels, a man needs to be able to manage his own home first and foremost. And I have that, you know, bunny slope, you know, ability there to give direction to my children and things like that. Um, but going to F3 workouts, I'm able to step into that leadership role peer to peer with other men and build credibility and trust that I know how to cue a workout that I know how to lead. And that also gives me other abilities to, and other opportunities in life, whether that be mammon or other, other areas to strategically manage in that vertical direction up in that black diamond area. Well, I think it, it goes back to a little bit of what you were saying, GMO. I mean, it goes back to QSource and they get right and then live right. You know, if you're if you're really looking to influence at any one of these levels that we're talking about, whether it be Bunny Slope all the way up to Black Diamond, um, you know, if you're not walking that walk, you're not living that that, you know, that life. And and more importantly, like you said, GMO, if you're not being consistent with the leadership and living that talk, then you're not going to have the influence. And I think if you came into an environment that was a black diamond situation and you tried to insert yourself as a leader, you could come off as, as maybe being out of place comes up a lot in my workplace. And and I think we should try and relate as much of this outside of even F3, but into the workplace and into our lives as a whole. But I had someone say to me today, I'm not going to get involved because I don't want to get myself in trouble. I want to stay in my lane. And Mm -hmm. You know, knowing that situation, probably not a bad idea, but at the same time, it's being said to me because she viewed me as an authority to maybe do something about it. So then I decide whether it's a lane I want to stick my nose into or not. And I did. And and, and I'm still here. Uh, go think- ahead and raise your hand if you're surprised that, uh, <laughs> that thing did that. Yeah. Oh, nobody. Oh, OK. All right. Fine. <laughs> yeah. But I, th- I think a lot of it is is, you know, trying to figure out that influence, but if you're the guy and if you're the individual in any environment, whether it's, you know, in the gloom or in the office, um, you know, you're not, you're not living that way and you haven't gotten right. You're not living right. Then, then how are you going to be influential in, you know, bunny slope all the way up? Cause you're right. It's easy to be influential because you carry the title as dad, you know, it's easy to be influential because maybe you carry that title as chief marketing officer or whatever your president of your company, whatever you might be. But at the end of the day, you know, you won't have the influence you need or you won't have it very long if, you know, you haven't gotten right. You're not living right. Mm-hmm. Oh, very true. Very true. Bono. Yeah. I, as you guys were talking, it was I mean, trust definitely bubbles up as as one of those necessary requirements. And I think the other thing too, talking about QSource and the COT is that idea of vulnerability, because as you were talking about getting right, getting right is not. I'm right now, check the box. I'm always there. It's that vulnerability of saying, all right, I made a mistake. Um, and especially when you're at the regional level, if you're at Nantan or first FQ and you try something and it doesn't work. Um, one of my real good friends, um, he was Nantan right after me in the circle of trust, dropped the F bomb. And there was a new pastor who was an FNG and 
it's like, oh, that was a brutal thing, right? Not not the right time, not the right thing said. And you, you own it. Um, there are things that I do. I mean, that was in QSource just this last weekend. I was sharing a story about how I was being an ass to a guy um, and that had my reasons why. And I sat down at lunch and talked to him about it. And that was one of the, the things for me is just being able to talk about it and make a connection. I think for me, the, the thing when it comes to the square, the diamond, it's that reaching out to another person because I'm not your boss. I can't influence you because I just happen to work out with you one day a week. Right. Um, but it's the idea of if I know about you, if I care about you, if I know that the reason that you're coming out is because you want to make sure that you live longer than your dad. And I know that I'm a type one diabetic and I want to make sure I live long enough to be a dad. Right. And be with my girls. And there's a connection and that shared bond, I think, is, is talking through that. So I think part of of influence and trust and those things is the fact that we got to be vulnerable when we go through it, because um, otherwise you can't black diamond something if you're going to try to be perfect because it's risky. Um, you're going to get hurt, right? <laughs> you're going to get hurt. Right. And I'm going to fall down. And that's what failure is about. That's failure is a word in, in the LDP, the leadership development process that I struggle with, because at first I was like failure normally means quitting. I'm like, no. Failure means making a mistake, right? Getting back up, learning from it. Blank slate, as Dred says, right? Does a little three-finger move, right? Swipe it's clean. Um, and then- I'm and erasing then, your emotional whiteboard. So whiteboard, exactly, right? <laughs> and that's and that, I think, is the key to failure and a key to, to that black diamond kind of leadership and even the peer-to-peer. I'm not going to get a peer to work with me or to trust me if I'm always right and I always have to have my way. So sometimes it means shut my mouth and listening. Sometimes it means asking a question and that's how I can establish influence and, and more likely build a relationship. With yeah. Someone. Yeah. Maybe more often than not. Uh, sometimes uh, it requires that. Gmo, go ahead. I think I, I can relate to or being very urgent and very efficient. And a lot of times that can work in a very hierarchical bullfrog because I get to make the decision. But what I've learned through F3 is, you know, to step back, maybe pace yourself a little bit, start with the first step, which is getting to know the guy, getting to know where he's at, getting to know what his fears are, being vulnerable yourself, right? We always say you accelerate at the speed of trust and the best way to build trust is to be vulnerable. So for me, it's, it's just been really a great learning to not skip that step because that then follows with the ability to give candor and to show a man love by telling him maybe where he's got a blind spot or he needs to uh, pull up his bootstraps and get moving forward. So urgency uh, is something we can't really uh, spend too much time unless we first do the work with building the relationship. Mm. All right. So let me ask you guys this then, so we can really stick to the, the metaphor part of it. Cause if you go to the ski slopes and you spend all day on the black diamonds, you're going to be really tired and it's going to take a ton of focus and you're going to be taking a lot of risk. So how do you guys and as leaders balance the amount of time that you can spend in the black diamond? Meaning like if that's all you're doing, I mean, that's exhausting. And the silence. I'm just sitting here thinking like, yeah, we got to be in that space, but like, Sometimes I want to go down to the green and just have a nice, easy uh, day nope. on the easy slopes. You know well, what I mean? I'll tell you. Well, and somebody, somebody else I'm sure has, has a, a, a thought here as well. In fact, I saw several faces look like they just want to, can't wait to jump in. But, you know, just to reference back and say, it's kind of like I just said a minute ago, if all I needed was a 12-year-old girl to enforce the rules, I got that. I got that. This is the life you chose or that the life that chose you, right? You, however you want to look at it. But 
but that's what leadership is, right? Sorry, go ahead. Bono first. Yeah, so I think for me, Kitty, one of the things Rapido turned me on to a book, Essentialism, and it's the whole idea of basically um, being more efficient by doing less, which basically means what are your priorities? So I think for me, what I figured out is if I'm operating at 120%, if I'm on that black diamond all day long, I'm going to wear out. I'm going to make a mistake. I'm going to hit a dog on tree. So the, to me, the trick is saying no to certain things, saying no to some really, really good things. So I can say yes to only the great things. Because if I'm operating at about that 85% mark, right? If I'm operating at that 85% efficiency mark, then when something pops up, this black diamond, I can, oh, let me take this trail. And I can do it because I still have capacity to do yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I was able to say no to the good things in order to say yes to the great. And I think that to me was a key concept here of how do I balance what I do to make sure I have capacity when the time comes for me to step up. In fact, Dark Helmet and I were talking about that earlier, right? It's this when chaos hits, right? How do I make sure I have capacity to do it, especially when I'm worn out and when I'm tired and when I've dealt with this crap time and time again, how do I make sure I have capacity? And part of the trick is I have to say no to some really good things so that I can say yes to the great. I think to build on that too, I, I think in the same chapter on missionality, it's about operating in your D2X. So if you're operating in your D2X, you cannot get enough of leading and encouraging and apprenticing other men to step up into those leadership roles. Yeah, because work is fun, right? Yeah, it's a hell of a lot of fun. You got a lot of weight on your shoulder, but you also have a shield lock that's going to keep you in check to make sure that you're operating your D2X and you're not letting the flux. You know, my shield lock too, a guy that I love is he lightens me up. He makes me laugh. He says, you're being ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So I need somebody in my shield lock to make sure that um, I'm keeping it, it real and in the right focus. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And to that point, I think we should be spending the majority of our time that 85% in that horizontal uh, shield lock relationship on that sort of blue square slope, because that's where we get both the exhortation and the encouragement of those guys coming alongside of us who are doing the same thing to either, either help you take that risk to jump onto that black diamond or throttle you back a little bit when you need it. And you need them to come alongside and say, Hey, you're taking a little too much risk here. You're getting a little bit too far down that path, maybe right or wrong. Uh, and you need to take a step back or maybe come down a little bit and focus a little bit more on your family and these other priorities, these uh, great things uh, and not, you know, necessarily uh, spend all your time on uh, overextending yourself on just good things. So you need yeah. to spend a lot of that time in that vertical relationship or the horizontal relationships are. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And, and I think also, you know, it, it's spending time in those relationships is super important. And I think also it's a recognition that, you know, <clears throat> these different styles of leadership or these different types of leadership are required by the same leader, even at different times in different situations. There are times in a purely tactical situation, kind of like Kitty was referencing before, right? Purely tactical. I'm the one with the institutional authority. A decision just needs to be made. We don't need to call a committee. I don't need to influence anybody. I just tell you what to do. We just need to move on. Right. But, but then, you know, it, it moves depending on the situation and what's going on. And, and in some of these, and, and I would say the more complicated the issue, the more divisive, the more difficult, the more uh, emotional the issue before us or the decision that needs to be made before us, that means that actually there's probably no clean, you know, yes, no decision. And that's it. It's not black and white. 
Very, 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 very few things in life really are as much as many, many men would love them to be. But when you start applying black and white answers to problems that are not black and white, you end up looking like a total a-hole. You, you become an orist, whether you intended it or not. Yeah. But it's not because you're a bad guy. It's because you think you're 100% right. And if you start thinking you're 100% right as a leader, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, you're in the weeds, you're out of line, and you probably need to reevaluate yourself because the fact of the matter is no one's 100% right all the time on everything, right? 100% right is not even actually a desired state. It really isn't. 100% effective yeah. is a desired yeah. state. Go ahead, Kitty. Well, yeah. Then sometimes I got to not go to, even if I think I'm a hundred, I need somebody else to fill in the last 10 because they've got to be a part of this. We have no patent or trademark on leadership in F3. Now we believe we have some principles and some values and some real tactical ways to approach it. Right. And, And that's the things that we spelled out. But I also think is important is while we don't have a patent on it, while there are other amazing, great leaders out there that maybe aren't in the F3 ranks, we do have such a beautiful blessing of horizontal relationship with so many other men that are leaders in other capacities that I want to take their skill set. I want to ask them, hey, dude, you were on the diamond last week. What'd you see around turn two that maybe I might miss? You were on the diamond three weeks ago, and I saw the way that you came into the finish. And like, what am I not? What, how can I pull from my horizontal relationships with all these other guys? And that's why I'm just like, that's why when, when you're like, you get so fired up about it and people are like, well, I don't want to come out to your workout group. I'm like, I know, but I don't even really need you there to work out. I do because I want you to be in good shape, but we need you there for all the other stuff that we're going to have to employ in our life because we can feed off of so many leaders. And I know that it, when I'm making decisions now, like never before, I'm constantly thinking about, 500 other men in my life. You know what? I wonder how Helmet might approach this. I wonder how Red Rider might approach this. I wonder how the guys in Cape, you know, I wonder how Beauty might approach this because I've been around other high impact men that are leaders that I can pull from that a little bit. I I think what you're talking there is, is this, for me, this concept of, of you got to know how to care personally before you can challenge directly. Right. So it's the, Mm. the, how do you get to radical candor is, I have to be able to ALR, ask, listen, and remember, guys. So that way that guy will come to the tougher workout because he knows that even though he's going to get pushed hard, he knows that I'm going to be there for him, right? I'm going to take care of him. I know about his family. I know about what's going on. And, and so when I send them a text about, hey, come on out, they want to come out because there's that care personally. And then that way I can challenge them directly because more than likely I can do that. I think part of it also means coming back and, and, and being vulnerable, like you talked about, Kitty, is is – you know, when you're talking about the, you know, I saw you go down the diamond, you came in like a champ and I came in doing a backflip and tumbling down the mountain. Right. So it's that vulnerability of being vulnerable and knowing I don't always have to do it. Um, I think Dark Helen, when you were talking earlier, you're talking about the the difference, I think a little bit between an adaptive problem, which is a human problem and a technical challenge, which is sort of like building something. Right. So if it is technical, I can do the bunny slope because I can be a boss. I can tell you how to do this, push this but- button, develop this widget because it's, it's a technical thing. I do it once I can do it over again. There's a different type of leadership there than when it's adaptive in humans. When I'm dealing with humans, what worked today is not going to work tomorrow with the same human being because they just went home and dealt with a family challenge and Holy cow, it blew up in my face, which makes the black diamond and the square sort of different because I'm dealing with humans 
And so just being, being aware that there's a difference there. You can't ski with the same skis, even on the bunny slope in the black diamond, because you're going to get hurt. So the same thing, you can't approach a technical problem with adapt or an adaptive problem with a technical solution because you're going to get hurt. One of the things I wished with my kids, um, just being reflective is being vulnerable in a way that you admit that you failed or that you could have done better or that when their mom and I would get in an argument, we'd work it out, but it would have been better if we had worked it out with them. And, and I think that there's a critical vulnerability that's got to be matched to the level or the age or the level in the organization trying to, you know, do side to side, top down, bottoms up. But there's also criticality to just be vulnerable and recognize your failure and what you're going to do about it to improve next time so that you can ask for help and accountability to, to do that. No, I, I agree with that for sure. And, and it kind of speaks to what Bono's talking about. And, and there's all kinds of different names for, you know, adaptive, transformational, you know, whatever, whatever the words are, but that's, but the point is, is, and that's why I kind of like the, the simplicity of the black diamond or, you know, as, as we kind of presented it, but the, the, again, the fact of the matter is that so few men are willing to step into leadership period to be actual leaders, right? They're willing to take and, and execute their, their bunny slope. Uh, part of themselves, uh, which we all have, um, because it's simple and it's easy and it's clean, you know, and it and it's it's clear who's in charge and it's clear what needs to happen. But unfortunately, that's only useful for tactical, you know, concrete type problems. And as soon as you hit a non-static, you know, a dynamic problem that involves human beings, you're going to have to exercise a higher form of leadership. And I have a picture in my head uh, of a a veritable army. Uh, and I hate to use that word cause I don't want to sound like we're on some kind of, you know, kick down doors or some kind of, you know, like, I don't know what the right word is maybe, but uh, gigantic team uh, you know, whatever the, the word is that you want to use, but um, of, of men, F3 men being just these absolutely unflappable leaders and not, not guys who are just, you know, this is one that gets said a lot. And I don't know sometimes how to deal uh, with it directly. Um, but cause you know, they say, well, leaders take a stand and they don't move. And, and I just, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I think assholes take a, a stand and don't move. Um, that, that's what I think. Um, I think that if you're not willing to understand that, that different situations and different people and different sets of people require leading in different ways, then I, I think you're missing out on some of the higher forms and the higher ways uh, of leadership, because I don't think you're really influencing somebody at some level, like shouting in their face and telling them they're wrong or, you know, falling back on either your own or some borrowed institutional authority that you perceive that you have through affiliation in some group or other, you know, whatever that may be, but you're, you're saying, well, I'm right. I know I'm right. Mm -hmm. And you can't be right. And I'm taking a stand and a real leader would take a stand. A real leader would take. And I'm like, and usually what happens is funny. Cause they're like, but they, when they say take a stand, they're saying turn to the left or turn to the right. And I usually try and help them understand that, you know, there is another direction and that's up. And, uh, and we're going to choose up because yeah. it's, it's higher and it's better. And it isn't a matter of taking it left or right. There's always another option. There's always a third or fourth or whatever it might be. And chances are good. If you're forcing a man to make a black and white decision between two things, then you're not going to influence them. All you're going to do is make him more defensive toward his point of view. And, and then, and then you're stuck without leading at all. And I'm not even sure that qualifies on a bunny slope uh, or any other kind of slope. I mean, maybe then you just fell off the lift and you broke your leg or something and you didn't get on a slope. I don't know. 
Go ahead, Kitty. Well, I mean, like, you know, somebody might be listening, like, what about murder? What about like, yes, there are things that you can take, right? An immovable stance on. We're talking about leading people, right? But, but, you, you're but not talking me, about major morality. But hold you know, on. It, no, hold on. Because what if, a, and, and I'll say this, if, a, if you say, I am cutting that man completely out of my life and there's no chance that I would ever try and work with him under any circumstance on anything because he murdered somebody. Yes. Mm. I, okay. I, I'll give you, you know a, I mean? a super, I'll give you a super extreme one. Go. Uh, someone has a gun to my head. I will yep. shoot you in the head unless you denounce your Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. And you I'll can shoot you. me in the head. I'll miss you. You can shoot me in the head. Yeah. I, so I'm going very extreme, right? Sure. I, I, I my point is to, that? that's, that's right. not leadership. That's just I'm saying, for, stand. Right, I'm saying for me, I, I, but I'm willing to take that stand. I'm not going to, I'm not going to vape that guy in that moment to not shoot me in the head. That's super extreme. My point to, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come. I can try. <laughs> I'm going to come back to where you're at though. So, it, but in most of our interactions, right. In 99.9% of our interactions, wouldn't you rather go through the vape process and maybe you still don't move that person, but at least you didn't just scream at them to try to come to your side without any form of vision, articulation, right? Without any form of persuasion, exhortation, you've got to at least, if you're going to walk around as a male leader, you've got to at least be willing to try to go down that road and exercise that. Otherwise, you're just screaming in the wind and that's not solving. That's not doing anything. No, hundred percent GMO. And then I got something too. go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, you got to play the long game in that too. Just like you're trying to maybe evangelize somebody to in, in your church, right? It's like just you inviting them or just you sharing your story sets the stage for future change. So even in this situation you're describing, you're always going to vape. He may have a lot of pride and he may resist it. He may be an asshole, but it's going to cause him to reflect maybe the next time that he's going to respond differently. So we got to be also focused on playing the long game in that too. I'll cut out that pause. I apologize. Um, I, I was trying to find the name of the guy and I, I think it's Daryl Davis. Yep. Okay. All right. I'm gonna pick up right there. So yes, hundred percent GMO. Uh, I, I agree with that. And Kitty, I, I, not, not to take us back too far, but I, I want to just hit one thing. And, and you say this is an extreme example and you say, you know, whatever it is. Look, sure. you're right. If somebody comes and it has a gun to your head and, and whatever, I mean, obviously that's not going to happen anytime real soon that we are aware of, not, hopefully not in our country anyway. Um, it happens in other places, but, you know, but uh, I think of the guy and, and the guy's name was, it is, it's Daryl Davis, um, who was a black man who attended KKK rallies until he turned a man who was the leader of the KKK, turned his heart and said, you know what? I renounce all of that because I believe that I love this black man. I believe that I, I, he is my brother, right? So, and the way that he did that, he got proximate. He was persuasive. He was kind. He was gentle. He was meek. You know, if he had stood up in the KKK rally and said, you're all wrong, you're stupid. The Bible says, you know, that the inerrant word of God says this, that, or the other thing, it's not, it doesn't even matter if you're right. It doesn't matter if you're right, because you're not leading, you're being obstinate, you're being an orist. That's it. There's no other, I mean, I, I don't know how to explain it any differently. Right. And so when we look at all these things, if you really want a black diamond, yes, finding those potholes is exactly right. Gambino just hit the chat. So I'm going to make him say it. Uh, but, but, but that's the thing, right? Black diamond leadership is the guy who goes to 
the Klan rally and says, hey, fellas, I, just quick question. Is there any other way to look at this other than the way you're looking at this? You know, guy comes, puts a gun to my head and says, renounce your Lord and Savior. I'm going to blow your brains out. And you go, well, is that what you want to do? Is, is that what you want to do? You, you want to kill a man. Is that what you want to do? And then he says, well, well no, but, I, but you have to renounce your Savior. Like, okay, well, let's just pretend I did, right? I mean, there's plenty of ways that you can influence a guy, you know, maybe even stay alive. Who knows, right? Yeah. Bambino, what did you want to say? No, I mean, to that point, I think, uh, you know, that every man has potholes in their life, as I had said in the chat, uh, uh, that we're all looking for influence. It doesn't matter what position you're in now your upbringing, other men who have influenced you, different situations, circumstances you've been in and through in your life have pretty much created the man you are today. And so really listening and understanding another man first and seeking to understand where they come from and what potholes have, you know, need to be filled in in their life, essentially, uh, is a good place to find, as Bono said earlier, those, uh, what's the problem? You know, what's the situation that we're trying to solve first and foremost? And sometimes it takes, you know, uh, it's a longer tail relationship there, as GMO said, it, it might not solve it right away, but uh, finding those and then filling them in and helping that uh, man uh, come along and, and, and succeed and accelerate. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I agree. Uh, real quick, uh, Bono, go ahead and, and add your, your final thought there. No, I was just thinking it's right there with the simplicity of ask, listen, remember, right? That ALR term. And that's what I, I mean. My, that's one of the things that principals and assistant principals I work with, they just latch onto it. Why? Because it does exactly what being about being just talked about. It, it gives you that ability to then build a relationship and get to know guys. So go, go listen to that Rogan episode with Daryl Davis. He walks you through exactly how he did it. And it's exactly that. He had a conversation. He heard all the guys' fears and hate. And then he just started asking questions and he let the man get to the right place. He didn't beat him over the head with it. No. He did exactly. It is a great, it's, it's a great episode. Influence. I watched the documentary. Yeah. I listened to that episode. I mean, there's it, the guys. Uh, and it's funny because he wasn't trained in any of this stuff. It wasn't like he was some kind of hostage negotiator or some foolishness, right? I mean, he, he's a regular dude with a lot of love in his heart, you know? And I think that's what we're called to be as leaders. I think we are called to be regular dudes with a lot, a lot of love in our hearts. So I'm going to, I'm going to read something real quick. Not a quote worth repeating. Just <laughs> not stealing JVR. Don't worry. Mailed period. It period. How dare you take my segment? <laughs> <laughs> but, but this came out a couple of days ago. If you're familiar with Ryan holiday, the daily stoic guy. So um, if you're not Pax, I highly commend that to you. Do it. Uh, subscribe to his podcast, subscribe to his newsletter. He's so much good stuff because I think that stoic philosophy very much influences um, how we, we want to live as many Van Centurions as, as uh, men in F3. But I'm going to read this. Uh, it's, it's a short email that he sent. Out. He says, Harry Truman was a tremendously unpopular president. Just look at the decisions he had to make during his tenure, dropping the atomic bomb twice, the Berlin airlift, the Korean war, desegregating the armed forces, nationalizing steel mills during a labor strike, finding... Uh, corrupt IRS officials taking bribes. Marcus Aurelius, for his part, has been largely overlooked by historians in this regard because his reign was defined not by the blessings of fortune, but by massive problems outside of his control. A border war, a coup, a pandemic, plans for succession interrupted by tragedy. Both Marcus Aurelius and Epictetus would quote a fragment from Antisthenes, which prophesied the fate of all kings. 
to earn a bad reputation by good deeds, <laughs> right? That whole good, no good deed goes unpunished, right? As a leader, this is where I want you to really listen, men. As a leader or as someone aspiring to leadership, which is every one of us, it's important to know this going in. You will not be showered with praise for doing the right thing. You will not be given, given the benefit of the doubt for making hard but necessary choices. On the contrary, the knaves will twist your words to make a trap for fools. You will be attacked. You will have your motives questioned. You will not be appreciated. Not now, maybe not even until long after you're gone, like Truman eventually was, or ever, as Marcus's underratedness attests. But why should this stop you? It should not. It cannot. Because you must do what is right, what is best for you and for those who need your leadership. We do what's right because it's right, because we're the leader, because it's our duty. The rest doesn't matter. And with that, I leave you with this episode of the 43 Feet Podcast. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. Thanks for listening to the 43 Feet Podcast. If you like what you heard on the show, or if it's helped you in some way, we'd ask you to rate us, write a review, and share us with your friends and networks. It really does help others to find us. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, write us at questions at 43feetpodcast.com or tweet us at 43feetpodcast. The climb we're on to create virtuous leaders isn't going to be easy, but we'll get there 43 feet at a time. Hey, 